Good morning. It is Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time here from our home base in New York City, TalkingAlternative.com. We are Secrets of the Sire. My name is Michael Dolce, your host, joined by my engineer Sam in the background, who will be keeping uh, things moving steadily forward throughout the day. It's funny, for a while, Friday was just a day that people hated. It's a terrible day. No one likes Friday. Uh, who wants the weekend? Who wants any of that stuff? But now you actually have a reason to celebrate Fridays. You get to hear me for an hour. Talking comics, movies, TV, music, and pop culture at large. Every week, Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern here on TalkingAlternative.com. We got a call-in hotline for anybody that wants to come and, and talk and dish about the, uh, the stuff that we love to talk about. The fun hour, as we put it. Uh, the number is 877-480-4120. Feel free to jump on. We got a fun topic this week. Um, before we jump into that, got a lot of great feedback from last week's podcast slash uh, broadcast. Remember, the broadcasts are live Friday. The podcasts go up on Monday. Um, we're up on iTunes as well. Just search Secrets of the Sire, S-I-R-E. And uh, we're also streaming live on Periscope. However, Periscope has told me that it could not tweet this out. I don't know why. Um, I will figure that out for a later date. But if you can find me, uh, look up uh, Sire64, I believe is my username. And if that doesn't work, try mdolce64 on Periscope. And you can actually watch me um, live. It's good stuff. So last week we touched on diversity in entertainment. Got a lot of great comments, a lot of great feedback. Um, the one thing that people were asking was for a counterpoint, whom may actually be of a minority uh, skin color would be great. Um, but they also applauded the fact that uh, we tried to be as inclusive, we tried to be as rational and as sane as possible doing it. So um, we will continue that conversation in a few weeks as well. The Oscars, um, the end of the February. Uh, the only thing that will prohibit that from happening is if my wife goes into labor. We're on Baby Watch 2016. My wife is due the 20th of February, so um, got a baby boy coming, so that would be the only thing that stops us from talking about diversity right before the Oscars, which I know will be a hot topic. Topic this week were superhero movies you were looking forward to the most in 2016. We ran an informal Twitter poll, broke it down between Suicide Squad, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, Deadpool, Captain America Civil War, and by a very a slight hair, uh, Captain America Civil War was the movie everyone is looking forward to this year. Suicide Squad and Deadpool tied. And Batman vs. Superman, no love for that, which I'm surprised, to say the least. Um, next time, if we have a poll, hopefully we get even more numbers voting so we get a real feel for it. People commenting, if you comment, I will gladly read you on air. So that's always fun to do. Um, Batman vs Superman is actually the one I'm looking forward to. Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with a tie between that and Captain America: Civil War. I think Civil War is going to be a pretty. I mean, the, the Marvel they just do it right. Marvel Universe just does it right. I mean, so you kind of know it's going to be pretty exciting. You know, it's going to be, um, you know, well done. It's going to tie into the universe. It's 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 like having the comic books, you know really come to life and I don't mean just the characters I mean the way Marvel did it in the 60s the 70s the 80s and the 90s where everything was interconnected there was continuity there was consequence 
Um, there was, uh, you know, characters coming and going. Um, so you know it's going to be done right. Batman vs. Superman, you know, DC doesn't have a great track record with all this stuff. So it's going to be, they have the Batman movies, but you also had Christopher Nolan, who's an Academy Award-nominated director, um, doing those films. So I can't imagine why they wouldn't have been good. Um, but then for every, you know, Batman movie, you've also got Green Lantern. You've got, um, you know, the Superman Man of Steel. you got the guy who did Superman Man of Steel. Now, that one I actually didn't mind. I liked it. Didn't love it. So we'll see what Zack Snyder can do. He also did Watchmen, which I think he did as, as good and um, a job as you can do with Watchmen, even though nothing will beat the actual graphic novel. The actual graphic novel is, is by far, this is not an opinion, this is the fact, it is the best comic book graphic novel of all time. That's it. I'm laying it down. There's no, there's no debating it. Um, Dark Knight Returns was awesome, and you could compare it. Um, Kingdom Come, you could compare it. The Marvel series, you could compare it. Um, but I think for what it was, what it did, it was, uh, it was Nirvana knocking off Michael Jackson off the top of the charts in the comic book world in 1986, and it still stays at the top. So one of the movies that I posed to you guys at the blog, the blog is on the website. The website is secretsofthesire.com. Every Wednesday I come up with a new blog and want to get you guys talking. We got a lot of chatter on this one, so I'm looking forward to diving in. Deadpool. Deadpool's coming out in the next couple weeks. A little background on Deadpool. It's an X-Men character. It's actually technically a New Mutants character. Uh, for anybody that wants to get really um, specific, um, if you want to debate my 90s comics knowledge, please call in because um, I, I did go drinking last night, though, so there might be some spots in my, uh, in my brain. However, that being said, I, I, will, I will gladly debate with you. Debuted in New Mutants. New Mutants spawned X-Force. X-Force at the time was the second best. Well, actually, I think it was at the time when it launched was the best-selling comic book of all time, and then it got knocked off a month or two later. Uh, when uh, X-Men number one with the Jim Lee covers debuted. Character went on to become popular in its own right. Spawned a potential movie when the comic book movies were really booming a few years ago, and there still are, obviously, but when the genesis of them booming happened. And um, what ended up going was a movie that ended up getting stalled until some test footage leaked out. With Ryan Reynolds, who's been trying to play this character. No, actually, that, that's the wrong word. He has been begging to play this character for years. I love Ryan Reynolds. I actually got to interview him um, about 10 years ago now for Blade Trinity down in uh, Wizard World, Texas. And um, he basically, you know, the test footage leaks. It becomes this big thing. Fox Green lights the movie. Awesome. Cut to a few years ago, though, 2014, and you got a little movie called Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'll tell you how it all come, kind of becomes related. Guardians of the Galaxy was a film that most people, I mean, even myself, I read the Jim Valentino Guardians of the Galaxy run back in the early 90s. That was my Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy they based the movie on was, was a, uh, a reboot a few years later. Um, I didn't even read it. Uh, most people, I don't think, read it. Most people were really shocked when they're saying they're making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um, but what it ended up doing behind a great marketing push was blow up to be one of, if not the biggest movies 
of uh, of 2014. And now everyone knows Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think Fox is hoping Deadpool is the next Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I think that a lot of people think it's going to be the next Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Ant-Man tried to be the next Guardians of the Galaxy in, in the sense of taking a, a more obscure character and making him kind of more popular to the masses. Um, didn't quite make it there, but was what was considered success. Um, and Ant-Man will be returning in Avengers later on anyway. But yeah, so Deadpool. Everyone's got high hopes for this movie. I think it's going to flop. I don't want it to flop. I'm rooting really hard. Like I said, Ryan Reynolds, great. Love that guy. This is a, a great role for him. It's a perfect role for him. However, I don't think it's going to flop. And I think it's your fault. Yes, every single Deadpool fan out there is going to be the reason this movie ends up kind of coming and going. It's going to be the Entourage movie. I was a big fan of Entourage. Huge fan of Entourage. The show. Made the movie. I enjoyed it. A lot of fun. It's good to see the characters again. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was just, it was fun. Opening night, big numbers. Big numbers. Hey, Entourage movie sequel. Gonna happen. Gonna happen. This is great. We're gonna, we're gonna, this is gonna be a franchise. We're gonna be able to uh, enjoy, you know, Vinny Chase and E and Ari and, and, and we're gonna love it. By Sunday, though, all the diehards went. All the diehards enjoyed it. The rest of the world kind of did a, a big yawn. By Sunday, by Monday, well, if we get to do a sequel, I'd love to do this. Well, if it comes to that, well, it doesn't, I don't know if it really, you know, it barely made the budget back and overall, not a success. I think Deadpool's going to go that same route. I think it's going to be, it's, it's one of those movies where you have such a rabid, underground following i know ryan reynolds actually did a uh, promotional press thing in new york city a few weeks ago and it was jam-packed jam-packed and they're talking cable is going to be in the sequel they're already talking sequel for it because of how great the response to this um film that hasn't come out yet has been from the fans it's an r-rated superhero movie which actually i like the marketing move on that i think it has to be an r-rated movie but again it has to to appease the fans I just don't think there's enough Deadpool fans that's going to make it carry over into a general public hit. And worse yet, if they don't match the fans' expectations, the actual diehards are going to walk out of there going, well, that sucked. Well, why didn't they do this? Well, he wasn't, he wasn't sarcastic enough. He wasn't funny enough. Or that was okay. Or why was Colossus in it? Or... You know, what does that character have to do with the mythology or, you know, where's Weapon X? Where's Kane? Uh, you know, oh, we didn't, you know, it was missing this or it was missing that. Rabid fans want to see the character, not just the character, but the world of the story around the character that they, I don't want to say grew up watching, but I guess, yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, the character itself is over 20 years old and they want to, they want to experience all of the fun we mentioned Watchmen before. They want to experience the same feeling up on screen that they got in the comics. And for that reason alone, the movie is going to have to really tailor to the fans, which I think is going to leave the general public out. And invariably, it's going to end up crushing the film um, come Monday morning. It's my prediction. 
Not rooting for it. Deadpool's great. Love the character. Rub Li- I was... I, every kid who drew comics back in the early 90s when I was growing up drew like Rob Liefeld. We love, we love Rob Liefeld. We love his artwork, the, the tiny heads, the big shoulder pads, the big muscles that, you know, didn't quite anatomically make sense, but I'm, I'm in seventh grade, so what do I know? What do I care? It just, it, 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 everything jumped off the page. Those comics were amazing. Um, Deadpool was hilarious. They would have uh, special lettering just for him. So really, really rooting for Deadpool. I'm rooting for it. Even though it's not a Marvel movie, it's a Fox movie. We'll get into the difference between the Marvel movie universe and the X-Men movie universe, which takes place in two separate universes. Because Marvel at the time, in the 90s, they didn't actually license their characters themselves. They licensed them out to other studios. They just recently got Spider-Man back into the fold um, by making a deal with Sony, as many people are probably aware of. And um, again, I'm rooting for it, but I feel like the fans are going to actually cause this one to go. So, coming up though, had a lot of comments to this. We had a lot of uh, dialogue going on on Facebook. You can uh, like our page. Just type in Secrets of the Sire. Go to facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. Um, and you can actually see. So, um, we're also streaming live on Periscope. Do you like apples? Was just asked of me on Periscope. And I do. I actually do. But we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, well, we'll probably talk more Deadpool than Apples when we return. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. I want to give love to my uh, Periscope people. Can uh, my Periscope people uh, chime in real quick? I think it was Lyric 13, Photos by Ash. Whoop, from Wales. We love that. Um, normally, I tweet the broadcast out, but uh, Periscope was having some technical difficulties. Couldn't get the tweet out. I'll figure that out for another day, but if you can find me on Periscope, um, you can actually watch me just basically talking into a microphone. It's more exciting what I'm saying than what uh, I look like but oh also my wife too my wife is streaming on Periscope too so give her a big shout out as well too thank you much um Deadpool movie 
going to flop. It's all your fault. It's your fault. You know it. You know who you are. You're the ones that want this movie so bad. You want your character so bad. And you're going to ruin it for the general public who has no idea who Deadpool is. They have no idea. Unfortunately, he's an obscure Marvel character, X-Men character, X-Force character, however you want to define him. Um, the costume looks pretty badass. If you go to secretsofthesire.com or you go to facebook.com slash secretsofthesire, um, you know, look, it looks badass. It does. It looks just like the comic book almost. And again, it's even got the pouches, the Rob Liefeld pouches, which we, we all love. It's got the shoulder pad. I mean, it's great. We had some uh, some comments in on this though. Omar Morales actually worked with him, talented writer, out in Oakland. He's a big Raiders fan. He uh, managed to email me when the uh, Raiders beat the Jets earlier in the year. I'm a big Jet fan. I was going to uh, Omar, if you're listening, I was actually set to email you back when the Jets made the playoffs, and then they lost to the Bills. But that is a topic for another day. Hello, Periscope people, keep chiming in. I will give you some shots out. We are live talking uh, right now. Omar Morales agrees, though. He thinks Deadpool will flop. Todd Sliss says this. Knowing nothing about comic books, but as someone who enjoys the MCU, this movie does not look appealing to me. And Omar also chimed in about Fox Studio sucking. And it's true, actually. It's true in a way. Not how best to put this. They don't suck. They don't put on bad movies. Um, the fact that we as the fans can't enjoy one cohesive Marvel universe, look, it's not their fault. X-Men Days of Futures Past killed it. X-Men Apocalypse killed it. Or it's going to kill it, I should say. Deadpool? I mean, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? You know, even the Wolverine movies, which were not very good, did really well at the box office, popular character. They're not, they're never going to give that up. Spider-Man, Sony kind of had to. They kind of lost track of, they reboot, well, first of all, they rebooted it way too many times. But they also kind of lost track of, of Spider-Man making it, trying to make it darker, which was silly. I think uh, the third Spider-Man movie um, was a little, was a little Superman 3-ish for me, unfortunately. And then the reboots were, <sighs> I liked Garfield when he was uh, was cast in the role, um, but ultimately just didn't pan out. So Sony was Sony was kind of backed into a hard place. They could have either tried to reboot it again, and people would have gone to see it, but they would have essentially been destroying the brand legacy of the character from the movie perspective by doing that. Or they could make a deal where they don't have to do any work, and they get paid, which is all they really care about. And meanwhile, the Marvel Universe... Goes over to Kevin Feige, 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 Feige. I think it's Kevin Feige, and he gets to run Spider-Man into the Marvel universe, and we get to enjoy it. Thorne McGee chimed in. I think you're off base. Looks funny in tune with today's tastes and action-packed. It's all it needs. I've never actually read the comic. I'm not that into comics, and I think it looks amazing. Another friend of mine who's actually out in the. Um, out in the world of Hollywood, works out, works out there. Very talented director, Marcus Perry. And he gave us a little inside scoop, though. He says the tracking for the numbers are, are monster. The tracking numbers are monster. And it is, and I asked him, I said, you know, how does it compare to other comic book movies 
Like, what's what's the comparison? I want to know. And he said, this one's in the ballpark of Guardians. Won't have the same box office because it's R, but we'll see. And it's exciting times to be alive and to be a comic book fan. It's true. Um, but the other, the other option that he kind of talked about, too, Deadpool doesn't have a large budget. I could not, at the time that I wrote the blog, I was looking around. They just kept saying low budget, low budget. That was the word. I didn't get an actual number. So if anybody has a number, uh, feel free to uh, tweet me in. My handle is at Michael underscore Dolce, D-O-L-C-E. Um, again, Facebook is secretsofthesire.com. Uh, sorry, that's the website. And Facebook slash Secrets of the Sire. A um, few other people came in. Tandra Jones, I've never read the comic book, and I'm counting the days till the movie comes out. I can't stop watching the trailers. The fact that it's R-rated and not PG-13 obviously loses a large customer base, but I love the fact that it's R-rated. Won't be annoying kids in the movie. <laughs> I think it'll do really well. Also, Ryan Reynolds is great. Releasing at Valentine's weekend, that's a little questionable. It's also All-Star weekend in the NBA. Girlfriends and wives might concede to one, probably not both. So possibly not a huge opening weekend, but I think Def uptick the week after. See, now that's, that's an interesting comment, though. The opening weekend is everything in Hollywood now. Your opening weekend determines whether you get greenlit or not. Very, very rarely, I mean, TV's different. Family Guy was resurrected years after because of a strong cult following, you know, years after. But when it comes to a movie, you are either, you either make your money in the opening weekend or you don't make your money. You just don't. You go to DVC, you go to straight to DVD, especially how quickly things go to DVD now. That's, your, that's pretty much all you have. Charles Yalowitz, interesting theory. I don't think it'll have epic levels of success, but I wouldn't say flop. The R rating will hurt. Then again, that didn't stop Fury Road. The strange thing about Deadpool is that I've met fans of him who've never read one of his comics. They know him from memes and cosplayers. I'm not sure how that mentally will play into expectations. Many might not know much beyond him being funny and violent, so the target could be actually pretty wide. I guess it depends on which Deadpool we get. Internet meme, 90s villain hero, modern anti-hero, etc. Charles is actually a fantastic, uh, fantastic fantasy writer as well. Um, look him up on Twitter. I'm actually going to dig up his, uh, his handle on Twitter because um, he is a fantastic. So it's C Y A double L. O-W-I-T-Z at C-Y-A-L-L-O-W-I-T-Z Charles Yalowitz look him up fantastic fantasy writer um, thank you for chiming in on that too so the next Guardians of the Galaxy if we don't get Deadpool what do we got Batman vs Superman that has expectations Captain America Civil War that's in the long lines of of books that have already you know movies that have already kind of transcended but then we have something called suicide squad sam is shaking his head he has no idea what suicide squad is suicide squad is actually has the potential to be the sleeper oh we got a question from periscope so i'm going to answer it um what do you think of tom welling reprising superman i, I think it's never going to happen <laughs> i think it's something that um he was great on Smallville. I can't see him ever, um, A, wanting to do it again. Well, actually, I don't think he's been working, so maybe he would want to do it. Um, I don't think Henry Cahill was uh, was bad, though, or Cahill or whatever his name is. Um, 
I don't think he's bad as Man of Steel. I think he has the look. I think he's actually kind of a badass Superman. Um, I think that the cinematography in Man of Steel, um, I think his cinematography was was questionable. It's darker. It's uh, monotone. It's grayscale. Um, Superman is generally looked at as a bright blue, you know, wholesome kind of uh, kind of character. So, but I can't see Tom Welling doing doing it now. It was too dark. We just got that comment in from. Take that microphone. Well, either way, Suicide Squad is a movie that it really intrigues me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So pencil in. If you don't know anything about Suicide Squad, it's a bunch of DC villains. Um, no, most notable, I want to say the Joker, but actually the most notable character is going to be Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn has a huge, huge, huge following online, cosplay, in the comics. People who haven't even seen the movie, or sorry, haven't even read the book, know who Harley Quinn is just from the graphic imagery of her. So I think her plus the Joker, I mean, it's going to be, you know, very, very, um, very exciting. That has the potential to really be the next Deadpool. So again, chime in. I'm on Periscope. You can uh, chime in at Secrets of the Sire on Facebook. Just pencil that in. Um, or you can go to my blog and comment right on the blog. Uh, coming up next, though, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, too. One of the things that I do is I interview musicians. And we've got a tremendous musician coming up next. His name is Albert Hammond, Jr. You might know him from a little band called The Strokes. And uh, we've got that interview coming up next. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you on a path of consciousness or spirit? Is personal or spiritual empowerment important to you? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And I am here to answer your questions and bring you experts in all areas of life to raise your awareness and support you in your evolution. Tune in at my new time, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on www.talkradio.nyc. That's Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire, pop culture talk, comics, movies, TV, music. We have a live call-in number. We'd love to hear from you today. If you'd like to dial in, 877-480-4120. A lot of people chiming in about Suicide Squad, rooting for a villain in the movie. Too dark or not dark enough. I mean, definitely dial in. We got a a lot of um, great conversation we can have about that. But first, we're going to jump over to the music part of the pop culture um, my interview with uh, the Strokes' Albert Hammond Jr. Albert, how's it going? Hello. 
Hi, how's it going? Good, you? I'm doing really, really good. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you, too. <laughs> awesome. Um, I love the new record. Uh, just wanted to start off and, and say that. I, I really... I've uh, been listening to it nonstop the last week or so, week and a half, and, and I really dig it, man. I really love it. Thanks, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking, speaking about the record, I mean, you cover a lot of musical ground. Like, there's folk, there's some straightforward rock, there's some punk, there's like 70s funk. Like, what was, take me through, um, you know, the inspiration behind these songs and, and how it all kind of came together. exact moments of different inspiration. I mean, I listen to all those styles, so for me, I guess it doesn't seem that weird to when you're playing a song from, you know, when you're coming to a band and you're bringing it in a more raw stage that you kind of hear where maybe the song is going and you can kind of try different different things you know mm -hmm. um there's definitely in it from touring um and just from not having played music in a while happened with the ep i definitely wanted i was enjoying these upbeat songs and so i'll always try to take even if i write a slower melody i think it's nice i'll always try to find a way to speed it up or make it more intense sometimes just because i enjoy that right now Mm-hmm. On, on the road. I kind of did it backwards, I guess. I did it the other way when I was younger, and now as I'm getting older, songs are getting faster. Uh, cool. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's inspiration was just the biggest part. The biggest thing was the guys I was playing with. I wanted to make a record with them, like how we were playing. Can you can and you talk to I me about them? Yeah, talk to me about them. That's actually one of my questions, was where you got, you know, how the band kind of even formed uh, and came together. Yeah, well, it came over, it came together over a period of touring the EP. I kind of what seemed, now looking back, it seemed like the purpose of the EP, really, because I was going out to a lot of places cold without a lot of press, but the point of it seemed like it was just to get a band together. Okay. So by the end of it, the final last two tours, it was the final band, and I just loved all the personalities and the way things, old songs would get put together, new songs, and so it just felt like, oh, let's just see what it's like in the studio. I mean, maybe it sucks, but <laughs> I had these three songs demoed, so I felt comfortable, like, um, I could, you know, give everyone parts and see where it goes, and then everyone started enhancing on the part, and so then it just took me to a whole other level of playing with the song, and then, and then I was like, well, shit, if we can do that, let's try to do it from a rawer stage, and then that took a little bit to learn, but when we finally did, um, we were just getting things that were more immediate, and the arrangement was happening that day, even if the recording took the next day, but, so I feel like that kind of captured something there that I, I didn't have before, because usually I'd have to make, you know, a few demos to find the arrangement. Sure. I, you know, I tell you, I, I, I drum a little bit, and I thought the drumming was, was just outstanding. Like, really, really uh, gave it, it gave, gave, gave your guitar playing, like, a real good punch to it uh, as well. Yeah, Jeremy's, um, he's, uh, he's amazing. Awesome. He's an amazing, amazing drummer. Uh, so, how did, um, talking about a couple things, it seems like you had not only a range of, like, 
you know, influences, uh, you know, melodically and musically, but uh, uh, even just, um, like, the album's title, you said, infl you know, you got influences from Carl Sagan. Uh, talk to me about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I put him in there in the press release, especially because I, he was just, that, it's, it, you know, I mean, I liked him and his show and all his stuff, but just that three minutes, that three-minute YouTube clip of the Pale Blue Dot was like a was like a meditation for me whenever I felt overwhelmed or anxious. It was kind of like brought me back to to level playing field, and so um, I just put that out there because I just yeah I'm I'm just fascinated by it, and so it's not like I heard it and wanted to create something by it, but I just I just loved the way it made me feel, and I feel like in turn that was inspire you know when you feel a certain way definitely allows for different kind of creation but at the end of the day no matter what you're inspired by at the end of the day it's inspiration and then a lot of work a lot yeah. more work than inspiration you know inspiration is more just like you know little fiery things and then then you got to spend a, whole, a bunch of time working to figure it out or thinking about it you know it's not just inspires you is a, a small part of it. Very cool. That actually leads into my next question pretty good. Uh, do you have um, any particular, uh, you know, your favorite backstory behind any of the songs, uh, you know, kind of where, uh, you know, inspiration kind of took you somewhere new or just maybe something kind of funny, maybe you maybe you came up with something over the, on the road and, you know, just, just one of the, something that struck you in writing, you know, any of the songs, doesn't matter which one it is, if there's anything that kind of, kind of jumped uh, out at you. Yeah, I mean, the the pinnacle for for us where it changed was I don't remember which one came first to be honest but coming to get you and Sideboob both were coming to get you came together uh, maybe a little more a little less dramatic mm -hmm. uh, but it was still things were happening in the moment like as we were doing stuff I'd be changing where melodies went the chorus when we were playing the chords for the chorus. I started singing the melody for it. Uh, side boob was four piano things, and that kind of came together. We were all so excited. It was like, well, it sounds so cool. And we were like, you know, it, took a, it takes a little bit of time for everyone to figure out a part and kind of branch it out, but then you kind of do one part and the other part, play that for a bit, and then you get tired and you do other parts. And you feel things that are stronger. But by the end of the night, we felt like we had the song, and it was like, know getting to this ending and I was like what if it built up and I started like you know pounding my chest this rhythm and Jeremy was following and I don't I mean I don't know how they this all happened maybe it's just a memory of it it didn't really happen like that <laughs> I was uh and I was kind of like screaming out this the ending melody it all kind of happened and then that was such a it was such a changing point it was like it's not like the first time we had created you know, I had these four songs, four songs, piano songs that were there, but then the band created this, they spread out those four songs and created this sound. And yeah. So that was special. We kind of, we kind of, you know, all of us were kept on pushing to make, to make it better, you know? Very cool. It's a great, it's a great, great title for a song, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, you know, it's funny, it was the working title, and it just, uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't change it. Just I liked it. I liked it too much. That's awesome. 
Um, what, what do you think the ultimate goal in doing a solo project is? Um, especially coming off of, um, you have your history with the Strokes, so there's there's kind of like kind of a built-in uh, cachet with fans already, where you know they know who you are. Um, they may not know particularly, um, you know, what p what what piece or what role you play in 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 the grand scheme of what the Strokes are, but they have you know they have an understanding of who you are. So um, when you're making a solo record, is there anything in mind that you're trying to accomplish? Aside from just kind of getting some songs out, is there any kind of? I mean, what, what's the ultimate goal? Do you think in your head? Uh, I mean, the ultimate goal is to be successful at it. Mhm. How do you, how would you define that? The, I mean, I, I mean, well, if you can do it again, if you can financially keep yourself afloat to continue to do it, you know, it's not like touring and putting out music is a gift. It's not a given. Okay. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like if you want to, you just do it. If no one comes to your show and no one buys your records, you're not going to make it anymore. Sure. You know, uh, you're going to have to look for another job. So I guess just staying in in writing songs. I mean, in, in, to me, it's always been about the songs. So really just writing songs that connect people are pretty amazing. I mean, sure, there are strokes fans who know what I do, but it's not like, it's not like that part of my life really effects I feel like the people who come there might be some stroke sounds but really if anything I'm building a new a new fan base mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah I don't know I mean why do it because I want to I mean I know why I want to do it but because uh, I, I like playing music and I would like to do it for the rest of my life so this is this is uh, how you go about doing it I felt like I made something that uh could spark my own my own career. Very cool. All right, awesome. Um, how's the reaction been at the shows? Um, how has it been being? Uh, I know you guys. I know you had your EP and then you had a previous LP also. So it's not as if you're you know brand new at doing this. But it, like you said, you're kind of building a new fan base. Do you, have you have you felt it kind of growing as you as you've uh, as you've gone out on the road? Well, I feel like I will. I will know now that I'm going back out. I mean, I went on the, the EP was kind of going out there cold. Like I was saying before, it didn't really have much fresh or momentum behind it from, from from big things. I hadn't been around in a little bit, and, like, people look at EPs, I guess, not as big as an album, even though I felt like my EP was like a mini album. Sure. But, you know, we'll see. All the venues have gotten a little bigger this time this time around, so it seems like it's, uh, it's growing, but... But we'll, we'll have to see till we finish this whole tour. And just, it happens, a, lot, a lot happens when you go on the road and people talk about you. I remember when I even started the EP, it was like I had no idea what I was going to do mm-hmm. after the new year. And after a few weeks on the road, I got different offers to open for different bands just because people start talking about you when you're on the road. That's, that's kind of what keeps your circus going. <laughs> sure, like sure. A, like a like a like a buzz because you're going to different cities and promoters and people start talking and then you get press. That's that's very cool, very cool. Um, you know your battles with the uh, you know drug and alcohol di- addictions have been kind of well documented. Um, you know first off, I mean, it sounds it, it, just from reading interviews and, and now talking to you, it sounds like everything's going really well with that, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a daily it's a daily battle, but uh, I feel like. Uh, 
I've had, I have some good reference points to, to lean on, so I feel pretty, pretty strong, you know, I never try to feel too strong, like that's when, that's when it all goes, but <laughs> I definitely have focus on other things, and I'm more, I guess I'm more curious about where I can go now mm-hmm. than going back to where I was, though, you know, it's it's inherently part of you so it'll always come out in some way and you see it every day in some way or every once in a while you see yourself doing things so you know it's not uh, I don't know it's definitely it's definitely there but you know gotcha I was gonna not overtaking my life well, I mean, it's it sounds like I said, it sounds like you you've you've come a long way with that, and it and it it's tremendous. Is there ever um, a point when you're creating music that it's it's different than it was before, um, and is it a point? Is there a point where it's it's too familiar when you're creating the music? Um, you know what's funny is it's at the actual point of when you're working, it's probably the same, but your emotions. You handle your emotions differently. You don't really live by them. And when you're fucked up, you live a little more by your emotions. Mm-hmm. And I get thrown a little more left and right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it feels very different now. It feels there's, you know, I, I guess the highs and lows come with the excitement of creating as opposed to the high and low of whatever you're taking to make you feel higher or low, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I get super, when I'm, you know, say like I'm in bed and I'm putting stuff together for the next day and then we start off and I'm kind of like sluggish and half of me kind of doesn't really want to get into it <laughs> and then we start getting into it and then something sparks and then I'm like you know 150 miles an hour sure. shooting out ideas and like you know that's when you I need someone like us who knows me who's like start who hears one is like oh no go run up to that and like, ah! you know, I just go <laughs> ballistic uh, and then you know that can lead to like an ultimate joy of like wow look at these things but you can also come down that same day and be like fuck we didn't make it all those things that I thought were going to be the best thing ever turned out to be nothing and now I'm super bummed out (laughs) Uh, and then you keep on and then you you go again and try to go for it I mean that's kind of that's kind of what the whole process (laughs) is Um, but but I, I definitely feel closer to when I fell in love with music, which had nothing to do with drugs. I was just a teenager and wanted to be Buddy Holly or John Lennon and just wanted to write songs and be in a band and sing. So that that part came back. I feel like that part got lost for a while. It got lost in in the fake romance that is created by, I guess, bands from the past who did, who got fucked up and never were never able to tell their aftermath story until too late, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The whole generation grew up being like, oh yeah, I just, you know, drink like a fish and I'll be Jim Morrison. <laughs> like, I don't think people realize the studied musicians that he had behind him. Sure. Um, and also, probably, who knows what kind of work ethic he had through, through, through that, you know? And in the end, it's fucking... Killed the twenty seventh. Crazy. <laughs> it is now. Oh, it's, it's no, good to no, see. Like... Yeah, I was gonna say it's good to see that that you know didn't happen to you, and 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 musicians seem to be more aware of that now going forward. Um, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, the saddest part, there is there is a time when you actually don't care. <laughs> That's the saddest part. Things like, you'll, you'll get asked, you know what you're doing, it's going to hurt you. I don't care. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely tried to... I tried to steer this interview toward all of your your, your solo project because, like I said, I really actually I, I really I really dug it genuinely. Uh, I'm definitely a big Strokes fan, but I actually really enjoyed the solo project too. However, my last question will be an obligatory Strokes question. Um, are you tired of answering obligatory Strokes questions? Uh, I mean, no, because like I understand. I mean, it's not like I don't understand. It's it's my life. It's a huge part of my life more so than the people asking me the questions or, or the fans you know yeah. something unique between the five of us so no I totally understand it was this huge band and it's it's, it's growing it still kind of is if anything it's bigger than it was funny enough when we do less but yeah. um, uh, fans miss like, you more um, <laughs> yeah there's like there's this thing with us and I don't mind ever asking about it. Just a lot of times people ask me questions, and there's not much to say right now because I don't know. And then people don't believe me, and they just ask questions around it as though like I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> like I'm not going to get that they're trying to get some kind of different answer. And I'm like, I mean, I see what you're doing. You're trying to like question it differently to get a different thing, but I really don't know, and I don't feel it necessary to be one fifth of the band talking any shit about any anything of it you know what I mean besides yeah. uh, you know and I've tried to be more honest about stuff and I always get misquoted in a funny <laughs> way so like and I don't really mind because I think it's just humorous and maybe other people mind but I don't I mean it's so small in the grand scheme of things but no I mean I love those guys and it's something special but I I'll, there'll be a time when, when we do something and I'll gladly talk about it and if we don't do something and something happens that there that I that I can then talk about it. I will gladly give split the interview between my next solo record and 15 minutes talking all the shit in the world about it because I don't mind. It's, it'd be kind of fun and funny, but <laughs> I just don't have anything interesting to say right now. All right, well. Very cool, and like I said, I definitely I was actually way more interested in the uh, in the solo stuff, but uh, yeah, no, no, it's fine. I'm not giving you. Please, I'm not giving. You oh no 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 no! I actually I I. I think it's an honest answer, and I actually love it. I really do. I, I really genuinely love it. So. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. TalkingAlternative.com
Welcome back. Winding down another show. So some of you folks have asked, where can I listen? It's actually really easy. You go to talkingalternative.com. And literally, you just go there and, and I'm talking. So everything I'm saying right now, you would be hearing on the internet, talkingalternative.com. You can download the podcast every Monday. You can go to my website, secretsofthesire.com. Um, you can also download us off of uh, iTunes. So uh, look up Secrets of the Sire on iTunes. Uh, episode one is up there right now. Episode two, which is this, uh, will be probably, takes about three days or so to get up. So I'd say by next Wednesday, the new um, the new podcast will be up there. So in case you guys missed anything, you can definitely hear it. You can come back to TalkingAlternative.com. They will also uh, be replaying the show throughout the week as well, too. Um, where does the sire come from? Some people asked. The sire is one of the comic book characters I created. It was published um, in the late 2000s. Um, it's still being published today, um, although I'm a lot slower with getting issues out. But um, you can go to MikeBooks, M-I-K-E, books.com. You can find us on Comixology. You can find us on Amazon Kindle. You can find us on iBooks, though um, iBooks will be a little trickier, but we'll get that working in the next couple weeks. So my Periscope peeps, I appreciate it. If you want to Periscope, you know, do a live Periscope here and, and interact with me, I love it. Um, we got a lot of um, a lot of back and forth. Brian Bish CT, thank you so much for the uh, retweet. We're having some Periscope Twitter problems getting the links, so I appreciate that. At Sirius Fox asked, why does everything have to be so dark with the superhero movies these days? Um, it's true. Even Deadpool has a darker tinged tone to it, um, and it's it's a lighter, funner movie. Funner's a word. I just made it. I don't care. Once it's on the internet, it's, it's real. Um, and really, it is a question of popularity if something becomes popular i.e. something makes a lot of money hollywood then demands that everything be that and um it's um you know it's frustrating it's it's frustrating because and and we'll use the spider-man movie as an example right and man of steel is a great example too batman is a dark character it works being a dark character christopher nolan is like i get it i get batman this is what batman should be um, and then you have, you know, the bigwigs at Warner Brothers says, great. Bigwigs at Sony say, great. Welcome, Cherry Lady on the Periscope feed. Um, they, they, they look at it and say, great. Make Spider-Man dark. Dark is big. Dark is what they want. They want edgy. They want an edgy thing. Spider- Spider-Man's not edgy. It's not supposed to be edgy. Spider-Man is supposed to be fun. He's supposed to be wisecracking. He's supposed to try to be Peter Parker and have to be Spider-Man. He feels he has to be. And it's not dark. Um, there's dark moments to it. There's dark characters to it. Um, there's definitely, you know, a lot of, of things that can go dark. Uncle Ben dying is a dark moment in his life, but the, the overall tone is not dark. Man of Steel, another great, another great example. I mean, Superman is bright. Superman is blue. Superman's not angsty. Superman never, never once... Sat around saying, oh, it sucks being Superman. Oh, it sucks being this. I did like the way Zack Snyder approached it, though. I liked the fact that Zack Snyder said, you know, this guy's an alien. And how does he actually, you know, deal with the fact that he's being, that he's an alien in, in you know, on Earth? And that's a cool aspect to it. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that his costume has to be gray. It doesn't mean that the, the tone of the movie has to be gray and gloomy and, and dark. Um, the one scene in the, in the trailer coming, you know, the Superman-Batman trailer, too, which I thought was a little, uh, was a little, you know, Superman's kind of like, he kind of like brushes off the Batmobile, and the Batmobile crashes, and then, you know, Ben Affleck rises out and, and, and kind of looks a little shell-shocked, and then he says, you know, the bat is over, you know, whatever he says in the trailer, and, and, he, and he looks at it, and he's got this, he's got this look that he is, um, you know, he's a little... He means too much business at this point. I, I don't know. That's not Superman to me. So, so serious Fox, to answer your question, everything has to be dark because may, it, Batman made money. If Batman makes money, got to do exactly what Batman did. Go make money. Zack Snyder's also kind of got that, that dark, um, highly glossy you know, feel to it. So uh, definitely not... I don't know. It just is what it is. Uh, we're going to have to deal with that. Now, if Deadpool is successful, we're going to have a slew of R-rated movies, which I'm okay with, actually. I'm okay with that. Um, Suicide Squad, Jared Leto. I'm really, really excited. I'm really excited to see what he does with the character. Um, you know, amazing that we're saying this years later that, that no one can top Heath Ledger's performance as Joker because even though Heath Ledger, when he first got uh, cast, everyone was like, WTF? The guy from Knight's Tale? Why would you use that guy? And now we're sitting there going like, "Wow, sacred performance can't touch it. It's amazing. Um, Sam the Engineer here at TalkingAlternative.com had asked, what do you think about Ben Affleck being Batman? And I got to say, I think same, same thing we're saying about Heath Ledger years ago. We were probably saying about, um, or we might be saying about Ben Affleck as Batman. And he's actually, um, Ben Affleck has definitely kind of reinvented himself in the last couple of years. Uh, if this was Ben Affleck circa 2006, um, pre-Gili or just post-Gili, we would have we would have all said, you know, WTF, same thing. What what the heck is going on? What are they thinking? Ugh. Um, it still is a little difficult to see Ben Affleck because Ben Affleck is Ben Affleck. At least with Henry Cavill playing Superman, it's kind of an unknown actor, so you can now kind of associate him as Superman. Whereas I I look at I look at Ben Affleck, I don't see Bruce Wayne. I still see Ben Affleck, um, but under the cape and cowl, he looks uh, looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. So, going to do a couple little things here. I'm going to plug next week's show. Next week's a really really cool thing. Also, want to get your your feedback too. This is something we're talking about. We've done music interviews with uh, Chris Cornell from Soundgarden last week. We had Albert Hammond Jr. from The Strokes on today. Um, but want to get your feedback. I mean, it's it's. You know, this is all pop culture. This is comics, movies, music. Maybe we just do an all-music show and play the interviews there because it seemed as if, um, you know, people on Periscope wanted to continue the conversation uh, into the superhero movies. So maybe that's just what we do. Next week, we have an exciting guest. What makes someone who has a great position at Marvel, is basically living in the X-Men universe at Marvel, then he jumped over to DC and lived the DC Universe life um, as the editor, uh, editorial director of the Batman books, um, went back to Marvel again, and then decided to leave. What makes someone leave one of the big two to go start his own company? Uh, I know it's not his company, but he's on the, uh, the ground floor of an exciting new comic book company called Aftershock Comics. Uh, we have editor Mike Martz. He's going to be my guest live, not a pre-canned interview either, uh, next week. And coming up next... J.C. Maldonado, 21st century entrepreneur. He's got his guest, Craig Waldman, who is also a huge, huge comic book fan. We've had many conversations, the two of, I, the two of us, 
on uh, on the topic. So I want to thank all my Periscope people, all the people that chimed in, um, everyone who commented on Facebook. Uh, once again, if you want to go check it out, facebook.com slash secrets of the sire. Uh, go to mikebooks.com if you are interested in any of the stuff I've done. That's a shameless, shameless plug. Um, go to iTunes, search Secrets of the Sire. This entire broadcast will be the next episode, the next podcast. And uh, once again, we'll see you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you on a path of consciousness or spirit? Is personal or spiritual empowerment important to you? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant, and I am here to answer your questions and bring you experts in all areas of life to raise your awareness and support you in your evolution. Tune in at my new time, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on www.talkradio.nyc. That's Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.